The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. In a sense, Bernie Sanders has already won. This is Bloomberg, sound on with Kevin Cirillo. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Are you ready for this? We've got every angle covered. James Homan's here. I've got to read his lead that he just posted this morning. Pete Buttigieg dropped out of the presidential race while I was flying here to cover a rally he had scheduled for Monday. To salvage the trip, I decided to drive to Tulsa to see Amy Klobuchar. She suspended her campaign just as I hit the road. Instead, both trekked to Dallas to endorse Joe Biden. Welcome to Life on the Campaign Trail with James Holman. He's, of course, from the Washington Post. He's going to be here. Louise Schiavone returns. My good friend. She, of course, is a journalist and senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University, Cary Business School, and the markets. The Fed, the markets, coronavirus. We're going to check in uh, uh, with David Burson. He's the chief economist at Nationwide. So, Happy Super Tuesday, folks. Thanks for spending it with me. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. James Homan's here from the Washington Post and author, of course, of The Daily 202. James, so you literally just landed from Oklahoma City after not being able to report there <laughs> because Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropped out. Yeah, well, I've been all over. to the. I've been a half a dozen of the Super Tuesday states wow. over the last couple weeks. And it's an amazingly fluid race. What's yeah. amazing is that on the ground, you know, I talked to dozens of voters. I spent Saturday and Sunday reporting in Houston, which is one of the kind of the battlegrounds within a battleground. Texas is the second biggest delegate prize tonight. And uh, and all the candidates have sort of traveled there. Elizabeth Warren's first, you know, that's where she graduated from a commuter college. Beto's um, on a skateboard again. Beto's on a skateboard. Uh, Bernie's, <laughs> you know, pop, the, Bernie has a, a big following, especially among young Latinos. Yeah. A lot of uh, kind of suburban educated people very uneasy with with Sanders and and trying to decide which of kind of the more moderate candidates to support. And it was really amazing. So I spent the weekend in Houston talking to voters. Uh, I went to Lizzie Fletcher's house district. So this is the Texas 7th Congressional yeah. District. It is Texas the, it's 7. The, it's the district George H.W. Bush I, I'm used gonna, to hold. I'm going to interrupt you because I, I want to focus everybody. This is why you listen to James Holman. Because he knows Texas 7 and he knows Bush country better than anybody. And so he's taking us right into the heart of Texas, which is a battleground tonight on Super Tuesday. The delegate-rich state 
of Texas that both Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden want to nab. And now he's going to tell us why this particular district we should watch. Go. So this district is, is was a big Democratic pickup in the 2018 yep. midterms. And Democrat uh, kind of establishment Democrats have been very worried that this is exactly the kind of district where Sanders would cost them down the ballot. And so there's a bunch of medical centers. There's a famous cancer center there. Uh, the biggest employer is, is oil and natural gas. And a fracking ban would be devastating for that district. And so the national Democrats and Texas Democrats have been very worried about Sanders as he's gotten momentum Suburbs. in a district, in a kind of suburban Houston college educated. It's exactly the kind of people that don't like the president, but also don't like Bernie Sanders. And why the House flipped in 2018. Exactly. And so it was fascinating because on Saturday, I talked to tons of voters around this district who were kind of like, I don't know what to do. I don't want Sanders. And then on Sunday, you did feel a movement toward Biden after South Carolina. These are rational, highly educated, informed voters who are kind of trying to read the tea leaves and figure out what to do because they dislike Donald Trump. You know, they're moderate uh, but they they also are Can worried about back? the direction of the Democratic Party. Can Please I push do? back? And and I'm not. And, and Luis Giavoni's here. She is a, a journalist, senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University, Cary Business School. I'm going to rip up the script to quote Tom Keene on Super Tuesday because who needs a script on Super <laughs> Tuesday? This is what we live for. It's but true. he said something there. These that, that they're rational folks. They're. I, I don't think we can say that. I, I'm going to be hesitant to use the words rational and moderate because I know a lot of rational people who are on the far right and a lot of rational people who are on the far left, or, and they at least think that they're rational. And, and I think what Bernie Sanders and President Trump have done is upended conventional wisdom about big structural changes. And I just want to throw that into the conversation. So I, I think that the reason people use the word rational when they talk about Biden versus Sanders or Trump is that Sanders and Trump both have followers who uh, are extremely excitable to you know yeah, to just to be euphemistic. I mean, way more excitable than people who just want to see everything be uh, are, are seeking a calm in the political waters, a predictability in the political waters, which I think was part of the reason that the markets uh, were boosted after Buttigieg and Klobuchar threw in behind Biden. Well, that's a great point, Luis. And, and, and I want to I come back to that. And coming up, we're going to check up with David Burson, chief economist at Nationwide, who's going to call in and we're going to talk about all the volatility in the markets and, and what happened with the Fed today. But sticking with Super Tuesday, just for a second, here are my three big takeaways. Number one, pay attention to Texas 7 and also suburban districts around the country tonight in the Super Tuesday states. Uh, because if you're Joe Biden and you lose Super Tuesday in terms of the delegate math, Biden world is going to be pushing that he was able to win in suburban districts. And that's what you need in order to win in a general election, as well as down ballot races. That's literally going to be what Joe Biden world pushes Two, does Bernie win big? I mean, look at California, look at Texas. If he's able to win big in those states, uh, he gets even closer to 1,991. How many delegates, folks? <laughs> 1,991, of course, the threshold you need to clinch the nomination. But lastly, is if it's a bad night for Biden, this is where I want to come back to you, James. If it's a bad night for Biden, he's going to be able to say, well, it's because other people are in the race. And it's, it, I absolutely, Kevin. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who, of course, is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, which is the primary owner of Bloomberg Radio. Go ahead. And, and Kevin, one of the things from a narrative perspective, obviously, 1,991 delegates is exactly right. That's what this is about. That's who's going to be the nominee. Boom. But, but 
uh, for narrative purposes, it's really interesting because there are 14 states in American Samoa that vote tonight. Biden's good states are in the east, and so they're going to the results we get first are going to look good for Biden. Uh, because they're southern, they're largely African American states. It's, you know, they're more similar to South Carolina than not. Virginia, North Carolina, Alabama is going to be a big Biden state, and but then the Bernie's really good states are in the West. So polls don't close in California until 11 p.m. Eastern. Ugh. Bernie Sanders is expected to win in California. It would be a big deal if he didn't. The question is the margin, and the question is the the way that the, the margin breaks down by congressional district. But the problem is we won't know for a while how big his win is in California. So he doesn't take all the delegates in California if right. another candidate gets 15 percent or higher, right? Absolutely. And and the, that's the big difference between the Democratic primary and the Republican primary four years ago with Trump. One of the reasons Trump was able on Sounds Super like Tuesday to Super Trump was able to run up the margin because starting on March 1st on the Republican side, all the states could be winner take all. So Trump could win by, you know, with 35% and get all the delegates. That's not the way it's going to work on the Democratic side. Every cycle I get annoyed. I think they should have the same rules we're all Americans. Whoever gets the most votes wins. I, I mean, it's nuts. All right, let's listen to Bernie Sanders uh, as he was talking about uh, beating Trump. This is what he said in Burlington, Vermont, earlier today while on the campaign trail. To beat Donald Trump, we are going to need to have the largest voter turnout in the history of this country. We need energy. We need excitement. I think our campaign is that campaign. I like that sound because it really sums up what he's pitching, that he'd be able to expand the party. Here's Joe Biden, former VP. Here he is. Feels good heading down to Southern California from here, and uh, I, I feel good. I love these sound bites because it's just—I mean, it, it, at, th- at this point, throw policy out the window. I mean, this is about turnout. This is about the mechanics of the race, and it's why I'm so grateful that James is here, Luis is here. Coming up, we're going to check in on the economy. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Special coverage tonight on Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television. David Weston anchors. We're focusing on all of the policy behind the politics on a Super Tuesday. Hey, I think every Tuesday is super. Every Tuesday should be super. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I don't think anybody knows how long it will be. I do know that, that, that the U.S. economy is strong and we will get to the other side of this. And I, I fully expect that we'll return to, to you know, solid growth and a solid labor market. That was Fed Chair Jay Powell speaking earlier today at, as he announced an emergency interest rate cut earlier on Tuesday. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. He was uh, asked if he's confident of a quick and relatively complete recovery following the persistent decline in the markets as it relates to the coronavirus. Joining us on the line as someone who I'm very grateful is able to make time for us uh, this evening, David Burson. He is Chief Economist at Nationwide. David, thank you for joining us. Kevin, happy to be here. All right, so what did the Fed do today, and what does it mean for folks' pocketbooks? Or rather, savings. <laughs> well, the, the, the Fed cut the federal funds rate by half a percentage point and uh, brought it down at the lower end to, to 1%. So what, what people will see is that uh, their savings, savings rate will go down. Uh, borrowing rates probably won't change very much, although to the extent that markets think the Fed will ease further, 
and I think markets do think the Fed will ease further, it also helps bring long-term rates down. So people may see they want to refinance mortgage rates somewhat lower, um, car auto loan rates somewhat lower. Uh, but really, the big impact is going to be on savers where it's negative. So I think this is fascinating, and I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal, Luke Kawa, who was on the program yesterday. He reports uh, the headline reading, What Markets Didn't Like About Powell, Scant Tools, Short Answers. If for no other reason than he paused a seven-day plunge that erased $6 trillion, Fed Chair Jay Powell deserves the thanks of stock bulls. The S&P 500 is up about 6% from when he first mulled rate cuts on Friday, and anyone who lived through last week is glad for the rest, the, the for, glad for that. Uh, so, so, but given the reaction in the markets today, it's clear there's this anxiety mixed with gratitude. I like that phrase, anxiety mixed with gratitude, Luke. Well, well said. So how do we get rid of the anxiety and back to less volatility, David? Well, I don't know that we can get rid of the anxiety until we get farther through the impact of the coronavirus. Uh, yeah. you know, the uncertainty is coming primarily from that. Nobody really knows how big the impact is going to be on health. Nobody really knows as a result what the impact will be on the economy. We're all hoping that the impact on health will be modest and the impact on the economy will be modest as well. But we don't know that. And until we have a little certainty there, and that may be months down the road, there's going to be great volatility. You know, there's this other interesting dynamic uh, about how really this exposes David Burson, chief economist at Nationwide, uh, a, a glaring, gaping hole for the business community around the world, which are these pandemics and health scares. And I, I'm curious, from your perspective, as you crunch all of the data on this uh, and have lived through these types of, of volatile reactions and swings in the markets as it relates to health, is there anything that can be done to prevent this type of swing in the future? Not necessarily for the coronavirus, but for the next virus, and whether it, you know, hopefully is a, a long way out. Well, I think that genie's long out of the bottle, and it's not so much where production is, although that clearly has an impact. But in today's world, where people travel around the world in a matter of hours, viruses can get anywhere, also within a matter of hours. Wow! And and while while we're concerned right now and rightly so, about supply chains. And that, that's the big impact right now. The, ultimately, perhaps, the bigger concern with the virus is that people decide that it's too dangerous to go out, it's too dangerous to go to work, I can't go to a restaurant, I can't go to the ball game, and they pull back, and then we get a really nasty, perhaps short, recession. So, so there's two things going on. It, it's, it's people's reactions and it's the supply chain. So I think this is fascinating. David Burson uh, is on the line. He's the chief economist at Nationwide. Uh, and uh, he was also the, he's the former vice president and chief economist for Fannie Mae. Uh, and uh, I think this is fascinating because in the context of inside of the Beltway chatter, we often talk about this every time there's a partial government shutdown, which is that, yeah, people get paid on the back end, but it's the mom and pop shops that really get I don't want to say the word that I want to say because I'm on air, but that get a hit because they people don't go to lunch or they don't go out uh, to to do anything because of that. And and we had an economist on last week, David, who uh, uh, described it as almost, you know, jobs days this Friday, for example, who says every time that there's a major weather storm, for example, 
there seems to be an issue with the jobs numbers, but ultimately it's it's rebounded. Is that a proper way to look at this as almost as if it's a hurricane? There's differences, but are there similarities in terms of how market reaction might be? I think not only market reaction, but, but economic reaction as well. Um, this is not being caused because the Fed tightened monetary policy. This is not being caused because financial markets went crazy um, or or businesses went crazy uh, with with inventories. It's being caused by something completely out of control of the government, out of control of financial markets. And in that sense, it's much more like a weather event. And we get through weather events. They tend to be shorter when they hit. It may take a while to, 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 to clean up afterwards. This is something that will take a longer time to hit because it's going to be months before we're, we're through the virus. Um, but once we're through it, we're through it. So the, it won't linger as much as, say, a Hurricane Katrina did or um, bad tornadoes in a metropolitan area. Do you think that other countries are going to follow Jay Powell's lead? With the well, I think almost certainly. You I do? Think almost certainly, yes. Um, and that's you know, good we, news, we, right? Well, it, it is to, to see coordinated moves rather than, than one country moving. Now, we had Australia move first because they went yesterday. But I think uh, the the other G7 nations will follow in one form or another pretty quickly over the next week. And just some more color for that particular comment. Uh, The G7 finance officials, they had a conference call led by U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, as well as Fed Chair Powell prior to this Fed announcement. So there seems to be coordination, and the markets reacted positively to that G7 call. Did they not? Well... No, the, the, all right. The market, they, 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 were, they were pretty lukewarm, I think. All right. the, uh, they, they, they were happy they had the, the, the meeting. They're happy they're they talking. Were, I think they were lukewarm <laughs> to, the, uh, to the press release. Oh, true. Yeah, okay, but they were happy that they were talking. All right. Well, listen, is anything else that we should know before I let you go? You've been so generous with your time, but just final thoughts in like the 30 seconds that we have as like Christine Barada puts on the outro music. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I don't think this is the last rate cut that the Fed will give us, um, but we're getting closer to zero and it'll be interesting to see as we get very close to zero getting closer to zero david burston chief economist at nationwide thank you so much my friend for your time uh coming up much more policy and politics on super tuesday i'm kevin cerilli you're listening to bloomberg 99.1 you know success when you see it or you think you do the people in the spotlight athletes actors artists But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. They were generous. They answered a lot of questions, 45 minutes of straight Q&A. Um, And so that was very good of them. The problem is they didn't have as many answers as we needed. They didn't have the answers we needed. That was Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, talking about his meeting earlier today 
that included officials from the Center for Disease Control, the FDA, and uh, Health and Human Services. Uh, So he says he wasn't satisfied. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Luis Schiavone is here, as is James Homan. Two all-stars. Thanks, guys, for hanging out on Super Tuesday with me. Thanks, Kevin. It's happy Super Tuesday. Are you are you doing anything, Luis, to to prepare for this coronavirus? This is debacle? a good question. Or are you just stacking up your Netflix queue with uh, Love Is Blind episodes, which I'm hooked on? Well, by this the way. is a good question because I was just thinking I have to make sure I have enough dog food. <laughs> wow. But, you know, being an Italian American, we have about love 20, we have 25 boxes of pasta in the basement. Oh, get this. <laughs> so. Okay, so get this. I went to Delco uh, this past weekend. And I know I'm going to come back to politics on Super Tuesday. And my, and my mom's best friend, one of my mom's best friends, Mrs. Anderson, sent me back with two homemade stromboli. So my freezer stacked with a stromboli. I've already eaten one and one third of the stromboli. Oh, they're so good. That's unlike oh. you, though, Kevin. To, to have no, like they were that. like they were legit. The si- they're like this big. I know folks how big can't they see. are. They're about yeah. three feet long. Right. Stromboli. Homan, you're not Italian. I'm not. What are you? German. Do you not have strombolis? We don't. Yeah, That's, our food isn't as good. What are you doing Spatial. for coronavirus? <laughs> I'm I'm not preparing. I hate to admit. And I, gonna, I'm gonna, they're going to end Purell. up playing this clip when I have coronavirus. No, but stop. But I am not. I have not actively prepared. I'm not being prudent or responsible. Either. I've been I've using more Purell. <laughs> okay. What are, okay. What is Elizabeth Warren doing to prepare for Super Tuesday? That's a pivot. So she. Uh, <laughs> You know, Elizabeth Warren, it's interesting. She Her campaign is making a huge deal about how she's planning for now to stay in until the convention that she thinks she can rack up delegates today uh, in, in kind of suburban areas like uh, Denver. Uh, and her home state of Massachusetts, obviously sort of a, a must win for her. She was there this morning, voted in Cambridge, uh, kind of had a, 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 a nice homecoming moment. But it is the, the path becomes very difficult for her if Biden does well. Uh, she's going to come under a lot of pressure from the Sanders wing of the party already is uh, to drop out. She's going to resist that. Uh, you know, Warren is interesting because she's not she's she doesn't she's not it's not kind of a an obvious not all of her supporters would go to Bernie Sanders if she wasn't in the race. Agreed. She appeals to kind of college educated women. A lot of Warren. I went to a Warren rally this weekend in Houston. You know, a lot of people who want to vote for a woman. Uh, but also you know, Buttigieg. Of, I mean, now that he's out of the race, but a lot of them wanted Buttigieg. A lot absolutely. of her supporters. Yeah, no, they are were kind of the, the college-educated, right. uh, you know, upper-middle class. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and, and Warren has has really struggled. She it's weird because she has a populist message, and you know, there's a lot of pitchfork in her stump speech, but her base is very much not a populist base. Well, uh, the way that Bernie Sanders is in terms of you know they'll chant two cents and they like the wealth tax, but they're not. You know, they're not looking for a political revolution in large part. They want big structural change, but I, I see a distinction between the two. Her, her political in- infrastructure, the people who are who have organized her campaign, they are not like the Sanders people. They're more like the Biden people. They're mm-hmm. very, very establishment Democratic Party people. And so when you think of the potential for Warren, like if she were to, you know, fold up her tent, well, where would those votes go? Would she endorse Sanders or would her people go more to Biden? I mean, of the people that I know who are actually operatives in her campaign, I don't see them going to Sanders. I see them more going to Biden. Right. I think that's right. Really? Well, but and also, but I, we should say that they are. She could also be a. Uh, go ahead. Yes, she could be a force. I think she. You know, a when VP. you talk to her, 
She could, she she thinks that she can if she sticks around that she still has an organization that she still has enough money even though she hasn't won a single delegate since the Iowa caucuses mm-hmm. she's actually raised a lot of money so, which will allow her to stick around if she wants to accruing some delegates maybe getting some concessions especially if none of the candidates are going to get the 1991 delegates required to clinch the nomination and and maybe be someone who could be a kingmaker or a, a VP. Well, I thought it was fascinating to see the reception that Biden gave to Klobuchar and not to Buttigieg. And I look at it as maybe that's a signal. Hey, Senator Warren, we've got Senator Klobuchar who could also make a strong VP pick, too. Do you know what I mean? Leverage. It's always good to have leverage. I th- uh, yeah, I think that you know, the, the the Biden message is definitely the water's warm. Come on in, you know, and, and welcoming everyone. But also, we don't need you as a VP. We have Klobuchar now. I don't know if I'd agree with that, Kevin. Go ahead. It's I mean, feel I free think, to I disagree. Think, it's I an think, Italian. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Buttigieg, I mean, I, I think that the ego equation is very different with Biden and Buttigieg and, and, and Biden and Klobuchar. I think he feels more comfortable with Klobuchar. I think she's, a, uh, in general, a warmer person. I, I think she was... I, I think she was more warm to the idea of of Biden collapsing of, of collapsing her campaign to throw her support to Biden and Buttigieg. He, he wasn't so keen on doing it. He did it because he had to do it. There's a lot of bad history between Warren and Biden. We sort of, you know, last year when Warren was sort of the front runner, we talked a lot more about it. But Warren was just reaming Biden in the 90s and early 2000s over the bankruptcy bill, the you know, being the senator from MBNA. Uh, representing the credit card industry. And when Warren was in the Obama administration, Warren and Biden clashed constantly over the formation of the CFPB and other things. And, you know, Warren, I think, sees Biden as, as not an ally on the big issues that she cares most about. Uh, but, whereas I do, you know, I, I think Klobuchar and Biden are much more simpatico on a lot of this. I things. hear you on that. And, and I'm thinking out loud again. Maybe I sh- I, I, I want to be, but I also think if you're Senator Elizabeth Warren, and you and you believe that Biden is likely to be the nominee, you have leverage right now. Well, and, but and and they have done they've done this dance, and so they know how to do this political dance over the CFPB, for example, and. I'm wondering if Warren World is thinking she could be more of a force in the party if she backs Biden versus backing Sanders. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? I'd, I would be shocked if she backed Sanders. I would be, you know, like I, really? would, be, I would be, I would be, I would be very surprised if she said, "I'm getting behind Bernie Sanders." Yeah, and I think that's really an Same. interesting. I think that's really, even though they're aligned. I think that's also interesting. When you get to Sanders, let's let's say, for instance, let's say he did become the Democratic nominee. I mean, who would be his running mate? Who, who would be? Well, no. it's interesting because he gave. So Bernie gave an interview to the San Francisco Chronicle yesterday, and he said, "I will only pick as my running mate someone who's all in on Medicare for all." Which you know, you can always change that. You can always back off. But I think what Sanders has signaled is that he's not extending an olive branch. You know, that he's going to kind of go all in and pick some kind of ideological. But didn't, ally. Well, didn't Klobuchar sponsor his? No, she she supports a public option, and they work yeah, together on they pharmaceutical. They work together you on could, that. In, in poli- you know how politics yeah. is. They, he could always he could always be kind of pressured to take someone Let's, from from not his part of the party. But uh, Sanders, Julian Castro. I mean, if it came to that, if it came to a Sanders, if you know, you're Bernie Sanders, you have to you have, uh, objectively. He's gonna. Have, 
but the same way that Biden has to say that he can appeal to the far left, he Sanders has to say he can unify the party. And I would be stunned if he didn't pick a, a someone, you know, just like Trump picked a Pence type of person. I mean, Pence, I mean, but pick that sort of straight out of central casting, as you always said. I, I, you would expect that Sanders would do that. But hey, expect the unexpected. Speaking of Trump, here's President Trump talking about Super Tuesday. Here it is. Listen. I think it's going to be a very interesting evening of television. And because of the time difference, California time difference, it's going to go a little bit later than we're accustomed to, right? And I will be watching. Who would I like to win? Anybody. I'll take anybody I have to. That's the way it's going to work. (laughs) That's that's so Trump. He's the reality TV show president. It's going to be an interesting night in television, folks. (laughs) Super Tuesday. Wow. Go ahead. That's uh, that's, that he, he, I think Trump... You know, for him, I, I do think that the Trump folks are worried about Biden's resurgence uh, and, and you're seeing kind of the Biden scrutiny pick up again. That's why you've seen the president sort of defend Sanders and say there's a coup against him trying to pick at the scabs in the Democratic Party. He had a rally in Charlotte, which North Carolina is one of the 14 states that's voting today. And the president literally described himself as a troll. He said, I love trolling, you know, because he had rallies on the eve of the Iowa caucuses, the New Hampshire primary, the Nevada caucuses in Las Vegas. And uh, and then he in Charleston last Friday before the South Carolina primary. So I feel like Trump is is enjoying playing in their primary. All right. Yes or no, because we have 15 seconds. Are you a troll? No, absolutely Are you not. a troll? No. I'm not a troll either. No trolls allowed here. And, you know, <laughs> what is a troll? I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Power to the people. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio. Power to the people. James Homan's here from the Washington Post. Luis Schiavone is here. Power to the people. Who sang it, Luis? Gee, I don't know. Who did sing that? Who, Who sang, sang it, Simon and Garfunkel? Or no, no, uh, John, John Lennon. Lennon. John Lennon. Come on. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's Bernie Sanders' campaign song. It goes to song. show how groovy you are, Kevin. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Power to the people. I mean, who, that's, a, that's an iconic song. You know, who sang uh, You Can't Always Get What You Want, the Trump song? <laughs> who sang that? Yeah, uh, the Rolling Stones. All right, well, you knew that one. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? We were talking earlier about Love is Blind on Netflix. Do you know what's coming out on Hulu this week? What? The four-part Hillary Clinton documentary. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it made me think. Christine Barada, our executive producer, told me in the break that uh, that that Hillary Clinton was on Good Morning America earlier today promoting this, and I guess she's promoting it by by talking smack on Senator Bernie Sanders. And it was the point that you were making about electability, James. So I, I want to play it because it, it it's you know let's let's listen to it. Here's here's former Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. Here she is. Bernie Sanders said that if he makes it to the uh, convention with the most pledged Mm -hmm. delegates, that he should be the nominee. That's quite a bit of a a change in his stance (laughs) from 2016. Your reaction? Well, my reaction is let's follow the rules. We've got rules. We had rules last time and we have rules this time. And uh, I think it's always a good idea to follow the rules. Everybody knew what they were when you got into it. In the campaign, in the documentary, you talk about his campaign from 2016, and you call it, quote, just baloney, and I feel so bad that people got sucked into it. Do you still feel that way now? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that was my authentic opinion then. It's my authentic opinion now. <laughs> authentic. 
<laughs> it's always bad when you have to assure people that it's something that's <laughs> yeah, your authentic right. opinion. Yeah, I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm the, just going to let you two keep talking. Yeah, the, the, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm I'm interested to watch the documentary. I'm there not. clearly is. Sorry, there, I shouldn't have said <laughs> no, that. I just, I it, watch it enough be, politics. There, um, you know, I think that she's also launching her own podcast soon. Tell it's, her to come on Bloomberg Sound she On. Should, she should. She should. Uh, the, um, I, I think that the Clinton wing, you know, it's, it's funny because you hear the rules thing, and I think you're going to hear it a lot more after today, depending on the outcome in some of these Super Tuesday contests. She's floating um, this narrative that other folks are going to spin. That, well, and, and Sanders changed the rules after 2016. He de- demanded that the rules be changed to make the process fairer. But some of those changes now don't work to his benefit. And it's because you know, the way everything is sort of shaking out. And so that's why you hear someone like Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden say, the rules are the rules. If you don't if you don't like the rules, you you know, don't play. Yeah, there was that town hall where Elizabeth Warren was asked by a Sanders supporter, well, what about that? And she said, well, I don't know. Those are the rules. Those are the rules that Sanders wanted. So I guess those are the rules. But don't you think there's a very strong potential for a brokered convention? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we'll see tonight. You know, I think that at this at this stage, before we get the results from 14 states, uh, I think that that is the most likely outcome, you know, not, I, I, you know, but I, um, I think if Biden has an unexpectedly strong night or if Sanders has an unexpectedly strong night, it could change the calculus and there will be a lot of, you know, pressure from both wings of the party. But I do think that the more likely scenario right now at this hour is is a contested convention. You know, and it's funny because we say this every four years. We've been through this before, right? I mean, every four years, it's like, oh, in 2016, we thought maybe there'll be a contested convention. Right. And then you sort of do get momentum. I mean, you even look, compare the conversation last Friday to the conversation today about Joe Biden, and it's a reflection of how fast these things can change. Right, but is it- Narratives can get locked in, and that's why, like, all of a sudden, you could just have a freight train of momentum coming up in some of these big states. James, James, James. But you can't, deny voter tallies you can't deny turnout what are you hearing about turnout in terms of uh democrats and and who has the most not momentum because that word what is that subjective who is actually bringing in the new types of voters who is actually bringing in the energy is it joe biden or is it bernie sanders well that's the and it's so well the short answer is it's bernie sanders but the long answer is that Sanders hasn't delivered kind of what he's promised so far. His whole theory of the case is, I'm going to change the electorate. I'm going to just bring in all these people into politics who've never voted before, the way in in some cases Trump actually did in 2016 in in the industrial Midwest. And in the first four states, with the exception of Nevada, where you could argue that Sanders brought in Latino, young Latinos who hadn't voted, Sanders didn't do that in Iowa or even New Hampshire. His vote totals are lower than they were in 2016. So that does he, he he absolutely is the energetic candidate who brings in young people in a way that Biden certainly doesn't. But he's not doing what he sort of promises he'd be able to do in November, which indicates that he wouldn't be able to do it. But in I always say, I mean, this is what I this is where I want to turn conventional wisdom on its head and say, well, put apply that same standard to Biden, which is. Biden said that he'd be able to unify the party. Well, he hasn't been able to do that yet. Well, he has been able to appeal. I'm not defending Joe Biden. I'm not no, sure. I, know. I know you're not. But, but, I, but, 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 but Joe Biden has is, been able to, to motivate African-Americans. He did. You know, he he 
he I'm, got nearly 50% of the vote no, in South Carolina. True, but which Sanders also polls. has been able to rally the base. He has. and that's So and they're both doing what they said they were going to do, yeah, and I just don't thing, buy the this. The question is, like, when you talk about Sanders, you know, um, unifying the party, I mean, what party are you talking about? I mean, he's not really even but a Louis, classic he's a, Democrat. He's not, wait, he's wait, not wait, actually wait, a Democrat. Wait, 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 wait. Time out, though. But the, the, the Sanders world folks that I talk to, the Nina Turners of the world, would say, well, what party is Joe Biden trying to unify? And, and there's this identity crisis happening on the left right now, and we're playing it in real time. And that's why I'm not – I'm, I'm trying to be incredibly cautious because Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are talking about two very different parties. Caution is absolutely called for yeah. right now. And, and, that, and that's why primaries are great. I'll at least talk about it's primaries. Fun. That's where the that, – this is how you hash out these tensions. This is you know, how you, no ha- this is how you hash out what you're about. <laughs> This is how you, you know, this is how you solve identity crises. And and we live in a, we don't, we're not in a, in a parliamentary system. We have two big tent parties with lots of people who have lots of messy ideas. All right. So quickly, what's your quick take and what's on your radar? What are you going to be watching for tonight for Super Tuesday? Luis, I'll start with you. Well, I, I guess the, the big thing is who's going to take California, right? They have 415 delegates, and, and, you know, the prediction is that Bernie Sanders is going to be the winner. But how strong, how strong will Biden come in second? One assumes he'll come in second. Yeah, the margins. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That, that's smart. All right, James, what's on your what's your quick take on your I radar? think early on we're going to have a good sense from Virginia and North Carolina. Uh, you know, the, it'll be interesting to look regionally. In a state like North Carolina, uh, d- does Sanders make inroads uh, in, you know, the research triangle and in Charlotte? Uh, or is that sort of Biden country? And also is Biden consolidating the moderate support in the northern Virginia suburbs and in the research and we have exit polls you were telling me in the break yeah well we what we know so far is that there is a um that we know about issues Healthcare was the biggest issue uh also uh, the electability was a major concern especially in those southern states uh you know people wanting to beat trump in the early preliminary exit polls we also asked about socialism and uh in the northeast uh, where Sanders is stronger, socialism is viewed much more favorably by Democratic voters in the southern states that voted today, viewed quite unfavorably. Uh, and again, these are preliminary exit polls. The other in- interesting exit from the poll, Washington Post, from yeah, from the yeah. Uh, and the other interesting exit poll finding that's preliminary is in Minnesota. It had a, more than six in ten voters decided in the final days who to vote for, and that suggests that a wow. lot of people who had planned on voting for Amy Klobuchar. Are you know wow. going to go with someone else that's much higher than we've seen in the other states? All right, here's that's brilliant. Thank you both so much. But here's the quick take on what's on my radar, um, and it's about the Taliban. And I'm reading from the terminal. Josh Wingrove, excellent reporter, White House reporter. Josh Wingrove. He reports today. President Donald Trump spoke by phone with the top leader of the Taliban about the recent peace agreement reached in Qatar, aimed at winding down a conflict that has turned into America's longest war. Trump, speaking Tuesday as he left the White House called the conversation a very good talk and said the two sides reiterated commitments to reduce violence in Afghanistan. We're going to be hearing a lot more about Afghanistan coming up in the weeks ahead, I predict. It's what's on my radar. I'm already hearing about it from some sources. Thank you, Luis. Happy Super Tuesday. Yeah, Where's the stromboli? You usually come with food. I do. I never I come with pizza. food. Again. I want pizza. You always give me You're, pizza. No, you provide the pizza. Well, you forgot. You, you never give me food. You're right. Actually, I'm mad. I'm annoyed. Thank you, James. I want Thanks, pizza. Kevin. It's Super Tuesday. It's election night. You got to eat pizza. That's it for me. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance 
to workers' comp, and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce.